Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the opportunity to come together to hear what your word says, what's written in the scriptures, to understand, to do, to walk out, to live according to. We know that the enemy is busy in this season with so much deception, hypocrisy, falsehood, and all the things he typically uses to distract the believers, to hinder the people uh, of this world from coming to you. But well, we are here tonight thanking you that you've given us the opportunity to continue to cast down vain imaginations, uh, to bring every thought, every single thought into captivity to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We give you the glory and the honor. In your holy name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. But when you look at today's idea of wisdom, you can really see that uh, if you look at the scriptures, you look at the word, you can really tell that the idea of wisdom is now being uh, painted in the way mankind operates. And what I mean by that is if someone performs a certain way, whether it's a psychologist, a doctor, a lawyer, a judge, a politician, and we like what they do or they do something that isn't uh, normal or it isn't the same, but it's successful or it seems to somehow uh, create some type of victory in some area. And we typically say, well, isn't that wise? Isn't that wisdom? Isn't that knowledge and understanding? And many times when we do this, we don't realize that we are giving the person who is completing such tasks or acts or demonstrating such ways we're really, really glorifying this person. We're giving them credit, if you will, and not God. And, you know, I, I can't get past the most common uh, illustration today, which is, you know, the, the, the pandemic and the virus and thing that's going on, because it's the most widely discussed topic today, uh, whether you should get treated for a condition, whether you should take the solution, whatever the case may be. Um, a lot of people today, and even many Christians, are crediting the uh, staff, the experts, the ones who are considered wise with the things that they're doing to either combat the solution, suppress the solution, keep it at bay, fight it, whatever the case may be. We're giving them credit. We're giving them glory. We're we're really kind of, you know, praising these people. And some of us don't know we're doing it. Some do. Some of us are kind of thinking, well, it's just nice to you know give people that type of uh, uh, recognition for the things that they do. And it almost seems to make sense uh, when you do that, because, you know, it's 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 a it's a fair thing, if you will, to say, hey, great job, doc. I appreciate the, the, you know, the energy, the effort, the knowledge, the wisdom, the education that you have to help discover the things that I need to treat the condition to help suppress or solve whatever the problem is. But when you look at the word of God, when you look closely at what's written in the scriptures, you will find that the wisdom of God, the wisdom of Christ, the power of Christ, is not exemplified through what we naturally see, what is accepted, what's common, what is uh, considered the norm. 
And Paul talks about this very detailed in a few uh, different teachings uh, in Corinthians as well as Ephesians. And we're going to read some of his uh, discussion that he has when he writes these letters to the church, to the body of Christ, to those who are called the ecclesia, the chosen ones that God had uh, picked to really be separated from the world, to be different from the world. We're going to look at their wisdom, uh, how they look according to the world, and really why God called them and not other people. And we're going to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verse 18. And Paul's writing to the Corinthians, and he says in verse 18, he says, For the wisdom of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. But before we go on, I, I want you guys to think of this question. What is the message of the cross? Because, I mean, if you've been in any type of uh, church service, Bible study, sermon, and you've heard anything about the cross, then ultimately we hear that it's because Christ came to redeem men from their sins. He died so that we can be saved and not uh, spend eternity away from him, you know, in darkness, in uh, hell, in damnation. But that is, while that is very critical and the essence of the message of the cross, that is not all that the cross represents. That is not just the end of the message. There's actually much that is included in what Christ did on the cross. There was so much more than just salvation. Because here's the thing, you get saved today, tonight, and you come about, become into the, uh, the body of believers, you still have to live the rest of your life. You're not going to get saved today and then, uh, you know, a couple hours later, you end up in heaven. There's time that God still gives us. A lot of us, you know, we got saved years ago. We, we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We were baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But then we live 20, 30, 50, 60, and so on years later. And what do we do from the time we get saved till now, and obviously to the end of our life, really is, is part of the message of the cross. So when you go to verse 20, let's go down to verse 20, and it says, it says, where are the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this ace? Has God not made foolishness of the wisdom of this world? Like I talked about earlier, I want you guys to understand something. The world's wisdom, what we think is uh, true wisdom or what we think is true understanding is really not God's wisdom. All right. And Paul tells you why it's not. And it says in verse 21, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It said it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. It says for Jews requested a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, 
both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. What Paul is telling us here is that what we see to be wisdom through the actions of man is really not God. I, it looks common. It makes sense. It's logical. It's uh, mostly accepted in society. But Paul is saying that's not how God operates. That's not what he how he shows himself through his people, through his believers, through those who are called. And in verse 26, Paul says, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many strong, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen. That the And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. Okay. When we look at the world today and we say, you know what? These doctors came up with the awesome cure for something. Or excuse me, because I haven't seen a cure yet from a doctor. Uh, treatments. They got this new medication, this new solution to a problem that we have in the flesh. And we say these doctors finally did it. They came up with this, uh, you know, this new problem solver. Well, isn't that expected? Is that something that's expected to happen when we look at a doctor? We say if we go to a doctor for a condition and we say, you know what? This uh, doctor has now discovered this uh, medication that can now treat a condition that we've struggled to deal with for years. So that's expected. They go to school for that. They go to school to understand and learn these things. You know, let's take uh, the courtroom, for example. You know, whether you're wrong or you're right, whatever the case may be, you go before a judge and now you're facing some type of lawsuit or some type of uh, cr criminal offense or charges that are against you and you have a profound lawyer that comes forward who's well known and very successful has a great track record and he gets your case dismissed or he gets you off or, or at least minimize the uh, sentencing or, or penalty that you have to deal with and we are excited and we're happy we're overjoyed but isn't that the expectation because that's what they go to school for. But Paul's telling us here is that when God calls the brethren, or as in today's terms, the believers, the body of Christ, when he, when he calls us, we are not a reflection of what's common in the world, what's accepted, what's normal. He said that not many of you were wise. There were some... Uh, Ignorant people or people who lack the intelligence according to the flesh, the world, that God called. It said not many were mighty, strong, you know, the ones who just looks like a warrior for God. He said he didn't even call many of those people. And he said noble. Not many noble people were called. And noble, you know, that's just, you know, 
when you see people like Kanye West getting out there and he's saying what he's saying at, at Joel Osteen's church, quote unquote, preaching the word. And it's so exciting and it's so thrilling because here come Kanye. But uh, God doesn't call those kind of people prestige people, people of, of fame, people that have this wisdom that they're just so bright and so intelligent. He calls foolish folks. He calls weak people. He calls uh, those who don't have the limelight, if you will. That's who the people he called. So when we look at Christ and what he did on the cross and the message of Christ, say Christ's message doesn't go forth through what we may see uh, that is common, that's normal. When he calls people to bring forth his gospel, the, the message of him being crucified to preach this message, he picks those who people will look out, look back and say, you know what, that doesn't look anything like an apostle, according to the world. That doesn't look like somebody that will follow Jesus. You know, when you look at the story of the uh, wedding banquet, the, the king had sent out for all the people who were invited to come, and he didn't get any of the ones who were on the guest list because they were all so busy with life, if you will, dealing with their businesses and trips and other things that they wanted to do. And the people who actually got into the wedding banquet were anybody. He he said when it when it was all when he was done trying to bring those who were invited into the wedding banquet, he said, go grab anybody you see and tell them to come in. And that's foolishness. When we look at this type of stuff and we see these the actions that people take, and if they decide to come up with something or they invented something that quote unquote solves or at least treats a problem, we find ourselves crediting people and not God. And it's real easy to do because we tend to say just naturally, you know, well, God made man, so therefore he created doctors. Well, God made man, so therefore he created scientists or lawyers or all these different kinds of people. But I want you to know that that's not the case. And Paul makes that very clear when it comes to the body of believers. He makes it very, very um, known in Scripture. You know, we have a certain way we have to operate as a body. And the reason why, again, it's about preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's about forwarding the gospel in every area of our life, every situation that we could come across, financial, uh, you know, mental, emotional, physical, whatever the case may be, when people look at us, we have to be a reflection of Jesus Christ, all right? If you look at Ephesians 4, 11, and we're going to read here when Paul writes to the Ephesians, verse 11, he says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edification of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be 
children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. When you look at what Paul is talking about here, he is saying that when it comes to us, the ecclesia, the elect, the chosen, those who have come out of the world and into this faith, he's saying that God picked a certain type of person, uh, a position within the body. He said he picked apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. He doesn't pick lawyers. He doesn't pick uh, uh, doctors. He doesn't pick what we what we think he picks. And when I say that, it doesn't mean that you are because you are a lawyer, you can't come into the body. God is saying when he picks these people to come in, regardless of the position that you have in the world, he doesn't pick you to come in and be what you do in the world to operate according to the world. You know, I saw this article the other day. I think it was yesterday, actually, about this uh, uh, Christian group that are suing the government because they have decided to stop uh, printing Christian-based faith tags, or excuse me, faith-based dog tags. And if you guys don't know what dog tags are, it's pretty much, you know, that once you join the military, they give you a, 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 a two tags you put around your neck. You basically keep those tags on you. And, you know, worst case scenario, you die, they can identify who you are. You know, that was a design for the dog tag. So they want to stop printing faith-based. And then you have this Christian group that are now trying to fight the government system over some dog tags. But then you will have Christians that will support this, believers that will come out of the faith and go into this battle to fight something, uh, in this case on the legal grounds, that has nothing to do with the edification of the body of Christ. The deception is, as I've said many times before, is running rampant. We have these ideas, these thought processes, these images that looks almost like the warfare Christians ought to be in. You know, we keep fighting something that we were never even supposed to tie ourselves to. It's because we don't, a lot of us sometimes we struggle to understand what we are supposed to actually do in the body of Christ. How are we supposed to carry ourselves and the action that we're supposed to take you know, when we come up against things in the world that are contradictory to the gospel, this is when we're supposed to show up as the light of Christ. We're not supposed to shrink back in our faith because, well, you know what? I believe it's a good thing that the lawyers are fighting this battle because, you know, uh, it, there's lawyer disciples, if you will, or lawyer Apostles, no, we don't. When we when it comes to the faith, when it comes to walking in the faith, our battles are about either either we're doing the work of an apostle, where we're forwarding the gospel, we're giving the message out, or we're doing the work of a prophet, we're prophesying regarding the the things that God has 
told us that are going to happen. We're evangelizing, we're preaching, or we're teaching the gospel. And our faith isn't, our faith in these actions is not tested when we are in our groups, if you will, our when we congregate, when we come together as believers. Our faith is tested when we are encountering circumstances in the world that don't represent what we say we believe. And we have to realize this because, you know, we're being tested every day, all day, actually. You know, this is how the enemy uh, uh, comes against us with different things. You know, like I've always told you guys back in the Garden of Eden, his his game plan has never changed. And there's no reason why, because if he fooled the first man, he can fool the last man. He just have to bring you something that you're not willing to believe is possible because we have this mindset that well you know it's 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 possible because god made the man and therefore the man must have the same knowledge that god has for him or that god has given him the same knowledge but not according to uh the teachings of paul who writes to the gentiles which are us that is not the case you know there were spiritual gifts that exist among us as believers and paul talks about this as well in first corinthians chapter 12 and he says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. You know, Paul makes a very profound statement here. He said, you were Gentiles, so you weren't even part of the, 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 the children of Israel. You were not a Jew. You were somebody outside of the family who came into the family through the faith. He said, but you got carried away by dumb idols. And when you look at an idol, it's really what a lot of people uh, follow after today. You know, an idol is an icon, a hero. or somebody that we look up to. And I'm sure we all can attest to maybe before we came into the faith or maybe now we struggle with some of these icons but or these idols, but we've all had or, or still have them. And an icon can be anything or anyone. And I hear a lot of it today from believers. It's the doctors. Because a lot of people, let's just be, let's just be real, uh, most people don't want to die. Everybody say they want to go to heaven, but don't nobody want to die. Well, you can't get there, barring the rapture of Christ, until you obviously pass away. He's saying that they were carried away because they had looked into these things, these people, these uh, images, ideas as idols, as heroes, as icons, as something that seemed to be more important than God. But he did say, you know what, however you were led, somebody came in and led them away. Just like I said, we see it today. They come in with that half truth of the gospel, that partial truth that sounds almost good, sounds almost perfect. And they get hoodwinked into believing it. And now they're led away into falsehood. In verse three, he says, therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the spirit of God calls Jesus a curse. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the spirit of God. Listen, Paul is telling you right here. If somebody says something foul about Jesus or they twisting who he is what he came to do, what the scriptures identify him is, 
they're not speaking by the Spirit of God. If what they say, and this is so important because I see this so much over the years where, you know, these pastors, especially these pastors that got the ear of so many people, they will say these these twisting things about Jesus Christ. You know, I heard one pastor say that the purpose of him hanging was to set a trap for death. I immediately knew that was uh, false teaching. But just think of how catchy that sounds. And, and, and the crowd was going wild. They were shouting and yelling. Oh, that's so deep. It said, but but where, where is that in Scripture? And it says that uh, no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So, you know, if you can't identify Jesus as being Lord, but you say you're a follower of Jesus, it, it tells you. It's something you might somebody you might want to look out for, because the Bible says that there's uh, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So anybody who doesn't uh, declare that Jesus is Lord is not being led by the Spirit of God, and therefore they're not a child of God. You know, and that's that's the word written, not not something that I say. Well, let's go to verse four. He said there are diversities of gifts by the same Spirit. There are differences in ministries, but the same spirit. It says there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. It says, but the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, and to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same, one of the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one according as he wills. But as the spirit of God decides certain people are going to have certain spiritual gifts according to his will, according to God's will. But I want you to point out just, I know we talked about like the, the biggest issue is, is doctors in here. The body of Christ, there are people in the body of Christ today that have the gift of healing, physically heal you as according to what Christ did on the cross. Some can prophesy, some can uh, show wisdom or have wisdom, knowledge. And these are, like I said, important to understand because when we start looking at what does the wisdom of God looks like, it don't look like what much of what we see in the world today. Especially from a lot of these uh, motivational pastors preaching these five steps to your blessing, ten steps to your miracles that has nothing to do with the scriptures has nothing to do with Paul talked about nor Jesus Christ. And and when you look at the functionality of the body of Christ and how they move, this is why so many believers and so many church congregations, institutions do not thrive as the body of Christ is supposed to. There are supposed to be healings going forth in churches. Every church, somebody should be getting healed all the time. That's how it was. Every time Jesus went somewhere, healing took place. He didn't show up and it just 
you know, well, I'm not going to heal because today's Tuesday or it's Wednesday or I'm busy doing something else. No, every time Jesus went among a crowd, people were set free. And then there was wisdom going forth. There was knowledge, faith, miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits. We see this through Christ all the time. He's discerning the spirits with the Pharisees how they're continually trying to trick him. The Bible says in, a, in, a, in several cases where he, where Jesus said he knew their thoughts. Before they said anything, he knew their thoughts and he responded according to what he knew because he was able to discern the spirit of the person before they even opened their mouth. But we got more drama, chaos, and confusion happening in a lot of these church institutions because we, we, we got a preacher there. We all know that. That's why people show up. But where's the prophet? So where is the person that's shown the wisdom of God? Where is the person that's that he given the gifts to perform the miracles? They're not there because we're getting because people show up to give glory to the pastor rather than glory to God. I'm sure we all heard about that pastor who was caught in a scandal um, dealing with some young men. And, you know, it was it was quite devastating to hear the whole thing that took place. But I believe that the only reason this happened to this pastor, because there weren't the body of Christ like they were supposed to be. Because a prophet's going to let you know what's coming. The person who God gives the wisdom to is going to tell you, hey, let's make a different decision. The, the person with the knowledge is going to educate people on what God is saying. You know, and, and it, it, it just goes on to the different pieces that exist in the body of Christ that's missing because we keep showing up to see the pastor like we show up to see the doctor or we show up to see the judge or the lawyer or the politician, you know, those who work in the scientific field because we're expecting these people to do the very thing that may be put inside of us because we got the wrong understanding of what wisdom is. It's a foolishness of this world. That's wisdom. That's God's wisdom. It can't look like the world. If it does look like the world, then you know through what Paul is saying is not from God. It has to be different. It has to be. You know, just like I tell you guys, I went to, I was facing a 25-year prison sentence, and I can't tell you how many times people still can't believe that I literally walked away from 25 years in prison. I didn't serve one convicted day. I didn't take a plea deal. I didn't have a profound lawyer. I, I, the evidence was completely ignored. I had everything stacked against me. But when God calls you, he's not going to call you because of your prestige. He didn't set me free because I had all my evidence lined up. Because I had the best lawyer, defense attorney in the house. He set me free to ensure that his word does exactly what it says it will and will not return him in void. And he made foolishness out of that courtroom. And this is how we have to carry ourselves in every environment, in every encounter with things that are from the world. When it comes to our health, when it comes to our, our finances, our marriage, how we uh, deal with our children, if we're opening or running a business, how we encounter things on our job. We have to be different. We have to be. You know, today I, I I was blessed to have a great experience. I was in line ordering food for my uh my three sons 
who just had finished a project. And as I was standing there waiting for two ladies to complete, I looked down on my phone and next thing you know, the guy's asking another lady, uh, what's, what's she, what would she like to order? And I'm like, but I've been standing here for like 15 minutes. You know, this lady just shows up and he completely misses me. But let me tell you, I, I, I get this all the time and I don't, I, I don't, I just, I don't know, maybe it's just a mindset that a lot of people have, but uh, unfortunately, you know, and I'm going to just say this for lack of better terminology. Unfortunately, I always get this, uh-oh, angry black man on aisle five look. Every time I have, you know, a concern or something happens, they have, look at me like I'm getting ready to just go sideways and not so. And I ended up having to leave because they said they were going to take longer to make the food. And I didn't want to wait that long. But before I left, I talked to the manager and I explained to the manager what happened and how this should be corrected. Let me tell you, the manager and all the surrounding customers, you can tell they had an expectation from me that they didn't get. They expected me to start yelling, cussing, going sideways. And I'm going to tell you, there was a time, listen, I would have gave them the business because I was cheated out of my time standing there waiting for something to eat. But the spirit obviously convicted me before I got to go down a path I shouldn't go down. And I responded in a way that did not reflect the world. That was contra contrary to how the world operates. You know, and the lady even tried to offer me a free sandwich. I said, no, I'm just telling you what needs to happen. Um, just given the fact that I know I've had customer service experience as a manager. So I'm telling you to, reduce these issues, these are the things you need to address with your employees. But this is how we have to act in every situation that we come across. Are we going to perfect it? Absolutely not. That's why God's grace is implemented. That's why it was instituted through Christ Jesus and what he did on the cross. But like I said, it's more than just being saved because once we're saved, there's a sanctification process that has to take place. We have to walk this thing out. But unfortunately, a lot of us keep going in U-turns and detours and we're missing what God is calling us to do. We keep uh, uh, coming across the same road that God had told that we should have passed a long time ago because we are looking at the wisdom of God. We're looking at the cross of God through the world rather than through the world. We have to know that if it looks like common thing, if it looks like, well, that makes sense, it's not God's wisdom. And this enables us to actually walk out what he's called us to do. I mean, even the disciples struggled to understand this. Because when he told them that he said he's going to be crucified, Peter said, far be it from you. He said, that's not going to happen to you, Jesus. And immediately Jesus said, I rebuke you, saying, get thee behind me. Peter couldn't even understand that, you know, yeah, it's, this is a foolish thing that's getting ready to happen. Why are you going to go to a place to get yourself killed? You know, you got 12 of us here. You know, we carry swords. We got your back. But he didn't understand that in order to set humanity free from the bondage of sin, he had to die. And to the world, as Paul said in uh, 1 Corinthians Chapter 118, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing.
So not not just when it comes to Christ being crucified, but everything else along the terms of how Jesus and the apostle lives is foolishness to the world. It doesn't make no sense whatsoever. It's, we have to understand this so we can walk out his will. And when we come together as body of believers, the enemy can't deceive us and throw us off course. We don't get carried away by dumb idols, glorified pastors with, with multi-million dollar homes, but people in their congregation that got to catch the bus to church or watch it from home because they can't afford to even go to church. That's, that's so lopsided and it contradicts the word of God from start to finish. I, as, a, as I always do, encourage you to know his word. Go back and vet everything that I said. Look at the scriptures. And anything that you don't understand, definitely ask the Holy Spirit to lead you to it, to give that understanding to you. Because he said he'll give it to you. If you lack wisdom, ask God, and he will give it to you. He's not going to let you walk around uh, unwise, foolish, and not knowing, because he understands this one thing we can, none of us can argue with, is that we live in time, and eventually we're going to run out. So he wants us to work while it's day, because when night comes, that's it. It will be no more work. There will be no more ministry. There'll be no more uh, preaching of the gospel. There'll be no more uh, uh, preaching salvation. And it's going to be over. And God knows it. So he wants you to have all the wisdom you need to make every decision that he wants you to make to be able to fulfill your calling here on earth. So remember, if it looks like the world, if it looks like it's common, if the masses have accepted it, Understand that God did not choose that. That is from the God of this world, which Paul and Christ identify as Satan. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for blessing us. We thank you for keeping us. We thank you for allowing us to hear your word, to study your word, to grow in our faith, to understand exactly what you have us to do so that we can walk in the light during this dark season. We pray for all those of the world who don't know you, that they will come to know you. And we pray for those who do know you, that they will be bold and courageous, stand on your word and nothing else. We give you the glory and the honor. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.